0: This is Iron Mike Stedman, and as always, I want to thank you for listening to my show, Dog Whistle Brandon. Today, I'm joined by Orly Zoe, author of Ready Launch Brand, the lean marketing guide for startups. Orly is a brand architect who works with founders to uncover their brand's DNA. I came across her book on Amazon, and after reading it, I was so blown away, I reached out to her on LinkedIn and invited her on the podcast. Orly and I discussed how to build a lean marketing plan and brand that drives revenue without all the extra fluff. This episode is a little bit longer than usual, but whenever I have an SME of Orly's caliber on the show, I can't help but take advantage of the opportunity. She brings a ton of value, so even if you have to pause the show and come back to it later, I strongly encourage you to do so. I also thoroughly enjoyed and happily endorse her book. It's a short read that clocks out at just under 90 pages, so check it out at the link in the show notes and give it a read yourself. All right, Gunny, you know what time it is. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. Welcome to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride, where we provide weekly tech planning on marketing, brand strategy, and category design for early and growth stage veteran-owned small businesses to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, a Marine Corps veteran, godfather of Dog Whistle Branding and CEO of Ironbound Media, a podcast production agency that helps veteran-owned businesses create, distribute, and grow branded podcasts in order to engage with your ideal audience. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB and our work at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a Dog Whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Orly, welcome to Dog Whistle Brandon.
1: Thank you so much, Mike. It's good to be here.
0: Orly was flattered that I reached out to her. Uh, I read her book, Ready Launch Brand, The Lean Market... I, let me, I don't want to butcher this description. Let me get it. <laughs> Ready launch brand, the lean marketing guide for startups. And I was telling Orly, you know, when we first jumped on was I listened to a podcaster and indie entrepreneur by the name of Justin Jackson. I'm subscribed to his newsletter. And he wrote this newsletter about how a lot of the stuff startups are doing, small businesses are doing, right? Is like unnecessary that you can create a successful business with a lean uh, marketing stack, and so I typed in "lean marketing" and Amazon. least book popped up, and I'm a brand guy, so I saw the word "brand." There's a little dog whistling that, and so I was like, "Let me read this." And after I read it, I decided to reach out to her and get her on the podcast. And I'm so glad you're here with us today. Thanks, Mike.
1: Yeah, you know when I when I started writing this book, it was five years ago. I've actually been talking about this uh, probably for twenty years, and. And uh, somehow, you know, I find that now it's it's actually more uh, more timely than it ever has been. I think coming out of COVID, um, there's been such an uptick, actually, of people starting their own companies. And as you know, so many of them are going to fail. And it's actually the reason why I wrote the book to give people more of a you know fighting chance, if you will, because marketing is something that is often completely. Um, um, overlooked and people don't really know what to do with marketing. They, they have a very vague idea of what it is. Um, most founders come with a, a, a pretty strong bias against it. And, uh, and so I thought maybe it was the right time to put all of these years that I've spent thinking, writing, and, um, and teaching about it and working with founders that it was time to kind of put it, put that in a book and, uh, and, you know, that's, that's really what
0: motivated me to to start doing that. Isn't it interesting that there's all these marketers out there, right? Like, I mean, you know, most people think of marketing, they think of, you know, running social media and doing all this other stuff. And, you know, I'm in the veteran entrepreneurial system ecosystem and I started this podcast because I realized there's a gap in the go to market, right? Marketing is one thing going to market and actually creating some from scratch driving revenue that's a whole different beast. And so I started this podcast for the same reason you started your book. And I think you're going to provide a lot of insight to the veteran entrepreneurial community because again, this is a gap that is just not covered. And I wonder if a lot of people don't know necessarily how to launch something from scratch.
1: Well, that's the thing, you know, um, there's this, um, you know, I talk about this in my book, this sort of lone genius myth, which is, oh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, just, you know, Zuckerberg, he just like went out there and he just, Magically create a Facebook. Well, first of all, it's never one person. It takes a huge amount of work, the team teamwork. It needs, you know, there's so many people involved in actually launching something like that. I mean, maybe not the idea, you know, but um, and so that's something that I think there's a big mis- misunderstanding about what a startup really is, and it's really a company looking looking for customers, right? And I, I talk a lot about, you know, I quote a lot of different people in this book who, who are much smarter about this than I am in terms of, you know, what sort of makes a startup. But marketing is so rarely spoken about because the, the, the kind of the misconception is, oh, we have to be a certain size to start marketing. Because when, when people think of marketing, they're thinking of traditional marketing. You know, it used to be advertising. And of course, you know, The TV ad on the Super Bowl, thats uh, somehow that's become kind of the gold standard of advertising. But, you know, I I don't even know how much. It's it's millions of dollars, you know, for like a a 30-second slot. And most people don't have that kind of money, nor will they ever have that kind of money. Um, And also, you know, the thing with advertising is it doesn't work for startups because advertising is meant to advertise something that already exists. If you're a startup, nobody knows you. And, and, you know, you often don't even have, you don't even have a market yet, you're still figuring all that out. So, um, you know, I talk about that in my book as well, this idea that, you know, uh, it's, it's a lot like, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to fly the plane. While you're building the plane, while you're <laughs> while you're booking customers and uh, serving coffee and and uh, and trying to find a co-pilot, you know, like you're doing all these things at the same time, and um, and so what happens is that because people are so stuck on this idea of what it should be, um, they tend to to shy away from it. And what I have found is that the sooner you can start to really look at the lean marketing principles, which are about building. Brand awareness, building brand loyalty, getting people to kind of get excited about this. Right. And those are the early adopters, um, which are really those are that's customer zero or is your is your early adopter who jumps on because they're just excited about what you're doing. And so that's the time to also capture this right to start to find to find your people, to find, um, you know, speaking in social media, to find the right platform for that. Um, And another thing I also talk about is, you know, you don't need five different platforms, find one, right, and do that really, really well, because part of the challenge when you're a startup is, you know, um, you want to make sure that you have your messaging down and then you tell the right story to the right people who want to hear it, who want to spread it, who want to be part of it. And so I'm kind of, um, re, um, you know, I'm sort of, I'm turning marketing a little bit on its head because so many people don't think of marketing that, like they don't think about, you know, the fact that they're putting out, um, some kind of post uh, engaging on social media, that's marketing. Right in the in the lean world, it's all about saying, it's engaging with the people who are going to want what you what you're selling, and um, and are going to want to tell people about it, uh, because that's how you build momentum. That's how you build brand awareness. You get more and more people to talk about what you do.
0: So what I want to do too is let's start out by even defining words. Right. So like for me, I use I tell people oh, I help you with your brand. Sometimes people are like, oh, well, I'm already good with branding. They think I'm talking about aesthetics. I'm not talking about aesthetics. I'm talking about, does your perfect customer know who you are? Have you created a world-class brand experience that makes them like, know, and trust you even more? You know, what does that look like? How does your brand feel when you show up to the world? Not the logo. That's a part of it, right? And so what I would love is start out with is when we talk about startups, right, define startup for us and also define small business for us. And if, you know, what we're talking about today applies to both.
1: So first of all, a small business can may stay like a small business forever. You know, it doesn't mean that they're looking to scale. A startup is literally a company looking for looking for customers that's looking to scale and take over the world. That's really a startup. You know, it's a whole different mindset. So they're looking to grow quickly, which is why traditional marketing, just like traditional business plans, don't work. Because by the time, you know, business plan, you know, by the time you figure all that out, you know, it's already obsolete and the same thing with marketing, you know, it's not like you're not ready to build a marketing campaign because you haven't defined a product yet or the service. And so what I tell people is, you know, and, and this is where I think, you know, it's kind of interesting is what I do is I really focus on helping you get clear on what the brand even is. What have you actually built? What does it mean to you? What's your vision? What's your core value? What's your uh, value prop, your unique value proposition that sets you apart from whoever you're going to be competing against? And and then you need to figure out who's going to want this. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, when companies are launched, they think, well, everybody can use this. Everybody can be my customer. And my answer to them is, well, do you have a couple million dollars a year to spend on marketing to all those different targets? Because if you don't market to them, they're not going to know you exist. So my advice is always start small and build from there.
0: So when I'm a client, right? I just get, I'm just launching, right? I'm with my boys. We're going to start a small business because we don't got venture capital. there
1: be girls in this this equation as well?
0: (laughs) Yeah, boys and girls. I got my girlfriend, (laughs) we're launching. And we don't have any venture capital. We're just bootstrapped, right? And we don't even have a paying client yet, right? What does that process look like in your mind from a market, from a marketing perspective to get those first 10 customers and then get those next 90. So first hundred, first 10, then all the way to a hundred.
1: So first of all, I'm going to say it depends, it depends, but it especially depends on if you're a B2B or B2C. So uh, if you're a tech company, that looks a lot different than if you're building a brick and mortar, right? So I tend to be, I I say my lane is really the B2B space. So, and I've worked with tech companies and because they're building apps, you know, there's a lot of investment that has to happen up front. So I always say, you know, my suggestion is make sure you have, you have either somebody who's, you know, either you have very deep savings or you have a lot of, you know, uh, other people's money. <laughs> you know, PMS that you can tap into, uh, even if you don't have venture capital. And by the way, venture capital money—that'll you know the the idea there is you don't. First of all, you're selling a piece of your company if you get venture capital money. And venture capitalists are not interested in somebody who's just at the very beginning. They want to know that you've already got a proven model that you've already got that you've already got. Um, If not customers, you have a lead to customers. This it's a viable business. You you can show in your financials that you're going to be able to double, triple, quadruple. Right? They're looking at big returns. Angel investors are a different story because they tend to be more that tends to be more of a passion project. Um, But I think in the beginning, this is why you know so many. I think so many, uh, and it's been shown over and over again. So many startups fail because. Um, and by the way, do you know what the number one reason why, why startups fail?
0: I do. No market need.
1: Exactly. Cause you read my book, right?
0: <laughs> I read the book and I'm a, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I look at a market first mentality now. So I look for opportunities where people are already spending money. That means that there's a valid market out there. And then I teach entrepreneurs to basically carve out their own niche or position their brand accordingly. Now, if you're raising venture capital, Maybe you can afford putting off that market and you can create a new market, you know? We create new markets in small business. It just looks more like niching down and defining it and naming it versus like I'm going to pump a million dollars to create this new thing that people didn't know existed before.
1: And, you know, I mean, there is definitely something about creating something that didn't exist. I mean, look, the iPhone created an entire ecosystem. I mean, you know, you have the app, the app store. I mean, you know, we, we now sort of take it for granted, but, you know, this has only been around, it hasn't been around that long. You know, the, the iPhone came out in 07, I believe. And so it's not that it can't be done. It's just that I find that, um, you know, to do it well, you have to really think about, you have to first get really clear on who you are. Because what I talk a lot about is this idea that if you're not clear on who you are, then it's really hard to convince someone to buy it. The second part of that is you want to find people who actually want this. And then, you know, with tech startups, what they tend to do is they beta test it, right? They use these. um, So what they do is they kind of find these early adopters and they make them part of their process. So it's free, but it's not really free because you're giving somebody feedback. And so and they're getting that for free. So it's a kind of a nice exchange and it helps. Uh, especially in the, in the app space, um, a lot of companies do it that way where they do a bit and then they, they kind of work out the bugs along the way before they launch it.
0: So I'm interested in scratching my own itch and here's why we focus mainly on veteran owned small businesses. Right. And like we said, if you're launching and you're looking for a client, you're a startup. All right. So, but I'm curious to know, let's talk small business but I also want to know your advice on the startup space because like technically you could say I'm a startup, but I run a podcast agency. Bootstrapped, right? It's combat. You know, those first 10, <laughs> you know what I mean? First I 10. Do. I do know out. what you
1: mean.
0: Yeah. We're, we're all in the
1: trenches with you, Mike.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're all in the trenches, right? All That's all trenches. a lot different than people that are doing these freemium models and they can put off profitability. You know, a lot of our, a lot of our listeners, they can't afford to wait for profitability. We need to be profitable sooner rather than later. So let's, let's focus on there. And then I'm going to pick your brain on how that might look different for like a startup, as I start to advise friends and friends of mine. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha. So from a small business standpoint, obviously you want to get customers as quickly as possible. That's, that's clear. I think the ones that do best are the ones that have already had a business, you know, but I'm 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 assuming you're talking about ones who either have never run a business before, right? Yeah, and, they're just and, and but
0: I know why. I know why you say uh, it's the ones yeah. that have had business before. Why? <laughs> why is that, Orly?
1: <laughs> well, because you know how it works. You've already made all your mistakes, and you've learned hopefully learned from them, and hopefully you sold a business and you have a little bit of capital to start another business. Um, but a small, you know, when you're just starting out, I mean, you know, I guess I would say have some savings and always have more money than you think you're going to need because you're going to run through cash like you can't believe. And that's always very because uh, I think the one of the, re- the top reasons is running out of cash. Right. Uh, uh, and yeah. I think I believe that might be the second reason. And actually, you know, and the third reason, surprisingly, is uh, the wrong team. So the other piece is find people to join you find people who fit which is another reason why it's so important to understand your your unique value proposition because then you can attract people who are aligned to that when you don't know what that is you don't really understand what your brand is what it stands for you know what you really you're kind of figuring it out that means that the people you bring in aren't going to be necessarily aligned with where you're going and what you really want to find are people who are signing on, to a mission because in the beginning, there isn't money. You can't compensate people at the level that they're used to, but they, especially I think in this climate, people I think are more willing to take a chance because it's something they believe in, something they can see themselves growing into and and being part of and being able to say, hey, I was there at the beginning, you know?
0: I thought you were also gonna say the reason people do better their second time around is because they just start selling right off the bat. Right. They're not playing around, you know, they're not, they're not delusional enough to think that they're gonna post a blog or oh they're gonna God. go give yeah. this talk and that they're gonna drive revenue. You know, I came up with the same business is a contact sport, you know. You gotta get out there. Like I'm a boxer, I got ironbound boxing on, right? You gotta get out there and you gotta spar every single day. And, every get single shot. Day, right? and so this was my second company. My first company was a for-profit. I've launched three. I launched a nonprofit, ironbound boxing. That was where I got started. Then I launched a for-profit arm of Ironbound Boxing, which where I was not selling, right? I talked boxing to companies in the New York City metro area, but I didn't know what to do, right? It's just like, you're begging for someone to come in your email inbox. And I would post videos and I would do all this stuff. When I launched Ironbound Media, I didn't tell anybody. I just went out there and started getting clients. And then after I had about 10 clients and realized what our secret sauce was, which is Dog Whistle Brandon, teaching clients to use their brand like a dog whistle. And every time they blow on it, they're trying to get their perfect customer's attention. Then I launched the Dog Whistle Branding Podcast to keep my marketing going concurrently while we're selling. So that's what I thought you were gonna say about like getting out there and really driving. Cause I think marketing and sales is very closely related for those first like 10 customers.
1: Well, let me me put it this way. Marketing is the engine of sales. So if you don't have some kind of strategy of how I mean it's one thing, you know, once you've kind of gotten the, the first round of clients and you've got some revenue coming in, um, you know, you can't just wait for referrals because first of all, referrals are slow and and they're just that's not that's not a strategy, you know. When people say, Oh, I don't need marketing because because I have referrals, it's like, well, first of all, Who is referring you? Because if they're not your ideal customer, then you're just going to get more people who are not your ideal customer. And second of all, um, you know, that's not sustainable uh, because that means that you have to have, you know, I mean, if you're looking at percentages and you figure you get 10 percent of what you put out there, that means, you know, (laughs) you need a lot of clients to get the kind of, you know, to kind of move that dial to get enough work to keep yourself going.
0: Do you think marketing is really changing, you know, because like I was just sitting on with a client and I tell my, uh, you know, my team, right? Listen, these are small businesses. They don't have money to just waste on a podcast. Right. So we really need to help them think through. And I'm talking about existing clients of like we really want them to win. And so, you know, this is not just some advertising budget that they can waste. It's like our marketing needs to be able to drive revenue for the client.
1: Yeah. So, you know, marketing, of course, is about is, like I said, the engine to sales. So marketing is is there to to promote something, to sell something. And I think, first of all, a lot. One of the things that's really changed is the way we buy. So it used to be, you know, very much pre- price related. Uh, but really now it's, you know, every you know, somebody said to me, you know, everybody wants to buy, but nobody wants to be sold. Um, and I really like that because. I feel like what's happened, and this is where social media kind of taps into this, this idea of engagement and building relationships. And at the end of the day, I mean, you you do business with people you trust, so right. So you want to build that, you know. So so social media, I think, is a great way to do that to build a consistent kind of pipeline to show, you know, that you're a thought leader or you're an expert, or and and you know to show uh, also be gracious and and have a way. That, you, that people can look into this and go, oh, this is somebody that other people are talking to or talking about. Um, and that makes me feel more comfortable working with them. Because don't forget, you know, we still you still need to attract people who are going to want to work with you, not just people who are going to want to talk to you.
0: One of the things I've kind of noticed in the veteran ecosystem is a lot of people, when they're launching, they want to hide behind social media, though. You know, they think that them showing up and posting, again, is like driving revenue. You know, And it's just like it's just not the case. You know, I feel like um, and I was writing because I try to write every day and I was writing about how, you know, you really do have to get out there and like make contact. And especially for people like us that sell services, people want to look you in the eye. They want to you know, they want to get to know you and know that like you're you are real. You're the real deal. And this is not just, oh, I'm going to take a photo. I'm going to post this up. And so I just see so many people doing it the wrong way.
1: Hmm. That's interesting because for me, you know, social media for me is the long game. You know, you're never going to get a client from a post. But what I have found is that over time um, and, you know, there's a whole strategy around this, you know, and I'm on LinkedIn mostly. I use Twitter more for thought leadership. But on LinkedIn, you know, I I post a lot of content. I'm, you know, um, and I and I post on other people's and I ask questions and I, I share my knowledge. I share my information. I, and, and I think what's happening is that little by little what's happening is that people are recognizing that not only do I know what I'm talking about, but I'm willing to share it, which then gives the sense of this is somebody who's approachable, who's relatable. And I've gotten actually a lot of work through LinkedIn, um, both because my content is really buttoned up. And, um, and because I've got the, I I'm very clear on the messaging that I want to portray there.
0: Yeah. My main platform is LinkedIn. Um, it's also my newsletter, um, and then just referrals word of mouth, but no, don't get me wrong. It's definitely that social proof. People want to like, everything matches up though. What I'm getting at is a lot of people are pretending they're something they're not. So you're trying to come across as an expert. You don't even have one client yet. You don't have 10 clients. And so people are not showing up. In an authentic kind of way. And I'm not saying we got to let, you know, Seth Godin's like, you don't got to be too authentic. Right. But what I'm saying is like, you're not Coca-Cola. You're not Pepsi. You don't got no clients. Right. Why are we pretending you're something you're not? You need to get out there and you got to have something to base your experience off of, which is what you're able to do, which is I'm finding out a lot of other people, they don't have that yet. Well, I
1: think that that you're actually bringing up a really good point, which is, you know, they think that if they just kind of put stuff out there, they'll figure it out. Um, And honestly, that never works. Uh, You don't just figure it out. It doesn't just show up. Um, Things happen because you have a plan. You've got a process. There's a way that you think about how do I connect with people? What happens You know, there's like a whole process of, you know, once you connect with somebody on LinkedIn, how do you follow up with them? What do you what are you offering them? How are you engaging? How are you posting? You know, you don't just like pitch and sell you. You know, I get those emails all the time. In fact, I got one just the other day. It's like, oh, I want to connect with you because I think you could really use this program that we have. It's like, you know, nothing about me and you didn't even bother to go on my my profile and you're selling me. I haven't even connected with you. Um, And so, you know, and that goes back to my point originally of, you know, things have really shifted that what people want is, um, you know, they want to be part of something and they want to feel like you said that you're authentic and that you I mean, well, obviously, we're all here to sell. That's why we're on social media. That's why we're on LinkedIn. I mean, the point is, you know, if you you don't clients, you can't you can't pay your bills. So I, I totally get that. But there's a way to do it that's authentic to you as a brand, but also um, is respectful of other people and isn't just trying to sell them without taking the time to really understand who they are.
0: Now, I like to keep things simple, right? So I like the rule of three, which is why I like what, you know, first of all, in her book, she shows about the different kind of marketing channels, These these social media channels for a lot of people. And me and my friends have been saying amongst each other that LinkedIn is for adults. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so even for my nonprofit, right, like I, right. you know, when you first started out, right, I was doing a bunch of stuff. I'm not on Facebook at all. Right. I use LinkedIn and I actually use Instagram for more communication with people, but I run a nonprofit. So my kids are on Instagram. So that's why I communicate with them and I pay someone to post. But like I don't necessarily drive biz dev through Instagram, but I have feedback enough to know that a lot of my revenue comes in through people following up with me via LinkedIn or, you know, emailing me directly, or even one of my groups, the Lions Pride, which I'm a part of, you know, because people do business with who they like, know, and trust. But going back to my rule, I like to keep things simple. One target market, one main distribution, one main distribution channel, one product or service that you get really good at delivering over and over again. But I'm curious to know for you of like, what does a marketing stack, when I say stack, it's like, this is what our marketing looks like for that client that is, you know, one to 10, right? Going from one to 10 customers.
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm right with you in terms of uh, sticking to what you know, and also to having uh, one focus. And, and I think where people go astray is they just try to do too much. And, and they're also, I get the sense that people worry about somehow they're going to leave people out and what i tell them is you know in all of your messaging you want to be speaking literally to one person i want this is why this is why the work that i do is around you know helping you clarify who that one person is so you know exactly who they are what keeps them up at night what their pain point is how you're solving a true problem that they have and and doing that allows you then to be really specific in the way that you message them which is why you want to find out where they hang out right so Um, So, so in terms of marketing, you know, in the beginning, I mean, you don't have the budget to do a whole lot of stuff. Um, And I also think, you know, it's a mistake to think, well, I'll just bring on an intern, and they can manage my social media feed. I think in the beginning, the founder is, that's, you are the, the brand in the beginning. And so that's why it's really important to focus on getting that story and really understanding what you're, what you're putting out there. And then you can certainly hire somebody to manage that. But you want to be really careful not to have an intern, especially an unpaid one or a very poorly paid one, somehow putting out your messaging because, you know, they're, they're basically directing how people are gonna, are going to think about you. Um, so in terms of, you know, uh, the stack, as you were saying, I think, you know, the definitely, um, a web, uh, you know, a website these days, I mean, honestly, if you don't have a website, you really don't exist. Uh, that's, that's been true for a long time. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it does need to be professional looking. So there are a lot of really excellent templates now. Um, I, I tend to prefer Wix. Uh, For that or WordPress, because they have a lot of options and it's easy to make changes, Uh, keeping it really simple. And then um, and then, you know, pick one social media platform. And and then once you figure out who that ideal customer is, you know, figure out, um, you know, what what they really want, what they're really looking for. And don't be afraid to change what you're offering. Um, because a lot of times people get stuck on something and they become a solution looking for a problem. And so what happens is, you know, you're trying to sell something. Again, we're back to this no market need, right? Make sure there's a market need for what you're doing.
0: And how do you validate that there's a market need?
1: <laughs> people actually buy it. <laughs> <coughs> 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 Excuse me. Um, but also because you've done your research. You, go, you have to go out there and this is where... Um, you know, the kind of startup man, you know, um, Steve Blank, who who started this whole lean lean startup idea. And then Eric Reese, who wrote the book, go out and actually talk to people. That's how you find out if there's a market need. Come up with a come up with a very rudimentary, um, you know, um, some some kind of a. Uh, some kind of a process or, or something you could show somebody and say, if if you had this and it solved this problem this way, would would this be something that you would buy? Right. And it can be very simply put together. It can just be, you know, a landing page or it can just be, you know, something very simple in terms of the app, but just to show how it would work. And and then you make adjustments based on what people tell you. Uh, and then, you know, there's a market need because because people have told you, and obviously you don't just talk to your mom and your two closest friends, you know, you want to you want to reach out and, and get, you know, figure out who these people are and then go talk to them.
0: What I try to tell people is they see they make a lot of people make a mistake that they're like, oh, yeah, they'll say this is a good idea. No, charge them. Like pull out the credit card on the spot, you know, because talking is one thing. People putting their dollars down is a whole other, you know, and my business coach, Bill Watkins, who I actually do this podcast with, too. He was one of the first people that told me, cause you know, dealing with the cash flow and issues back when I was doing the corporate boxing and he's like, you got to invoice them up front. I was like, what? Up front, I didn't even yeah. know that was a thing. Oh yeah. Like, I was nervous. I remember the first time I did it, I was so nervous. Like how was the client going to respond before literally by the end, I wouldn't even move out my seat until that invoice was paid for. Right. I'm not moving from my computer. I'm not doing anything until you pay that invoice. And what I have found is, especially for us that are adults, right? And doing small business, working with each other, people respect you. You know, like. Oh
1: my God. Yes. Because you because you're a professional. I mean, have you ever worked with a lawyer that doesn't bill you? (laughs) I mean, right? And they're billing you. You know, for for every movement they make, they're billing you. So, yeah, billing upfront, i do I do that for all my consulting. yeah, it's all it's always
0: upfront. so we talked about, okay, first ten, right? Like you say, you got a social media channel, you know, you're reaching out, you're engaging. Maybe you're going to an event, but this is important to talk about, too, of not just launching a website and expecting traffic to come to you. Oh, because no, no, nobody's no. looking for you yet. you know, so the whole blogging and all that other stuff. You know, I took Nicholas Close class and I read his book and he talks about writing in public, you know, online, the art of online writing. So don't write a blog post write on your LinkedIn and then realize what is pinging and what people are coming back to and engaging. Then you can flip that into a blog post or something, because now, you know, people are searching for it. Yeah.
1: You know, Uh, it's funny that you say that because that's how I wrote my book. So I started out by tweeting and uh, And I built a Twitter following. I went literally from like five to a thousand in nine months. And I did that because I you know followed my own advice, which is you know, connect with influencers, connect with people that i've been I've been following for a long time, and slowly and surely you know start to start to engage there. But that's really just to build credibility but when it came to writing my book what i found is you know i knew the i knew kind of the flavor where i kind of wanted to go and so i used twitter as a way to find out you know if you hear crickets people probably don't care about this but you need obviously more than 5 followers to do this right so once you have a critical mass which is why there's you know some of it is you know it's not always like a straight line you want to really start with so build followers because that's then you have then you have a network uh, and then what I found is there were things that people just really cared about and then they would retweet them. And, you know, and then I built that into LinkedIn. I started to, to write um, and then I got guest blog posts, which is another way to go uh, on national, you know, um, online publications. And, and they became the basis for my book. And then interestingly, once the book was published, then I decomp- I sort of unpacked that and then went back to creating... You know, post and and then I, I had a whole series of um of brand tips um and I got as many as close to two thousand um views on these, which was kind of amazing since I only have like eighteen hundred followers. So, all right.
0: this is this is dog whistle branding. We're not worried about vanity metrics. We're talking about creating real value for real people with real problems. And so, you got me. You know, and I'm a, all right. <laughs> so uh, that's what matters. Now, what I'm finding, right, is that there are a lot of. I'm very lucky because I built something from scratch, you know, and building it from scratch, I've learned, I've had to learn marketing the hard way. I had a lot of contact, right? I've sparred a lot, got beat up, jaw been (laughs) broke, been knocked down. I'm like, I'm like behind the way, Yeah. Yeah. A couple of black guys along the way, you know, black guys beat up. But (laughs) what I'm finding is that there are entrepreneurs, particularly veteran owned businesses, that are still struggling of what they're looking for in ROI from their marketing team. So, you know, they'll pay people $3,500 a month to run their social media or whatever. And they're looking at subpar leads, if any. And I'm curious to know from you, one, what does marketing, what does a marketing stack look like for a growth stage business doing over a million dollars in revenue? And I also want to know from you, how do these businesses create demand Because I'm trying to introduce demand, gin into the veteran ecosystem. I experienced it today. Someone reached out to me in my network and was like, Mike, the reason I'm reaching out to you is because, you know, there's a trust there, right? So clearly what I'm doing about marketing and educating people about branding is creating trust and credibility. But how do we get these growth stage businesses that are into selling, you know, hard tech stuff, construction, uh, not all like these SaaS products, how do they create demand for what they're offering?
1: So are you talking about a B2B, something that's a little harder to explain?
0: Yeah, B2B. B2B. Uh, okay. A lot of construction. So I know for a fact like there's construction, there's uh what are the kind of businesses doing? People are selling coffee. That's B2C, but they're going to B2B route because B2B is more revenue. So really from a B2B play just outside of the traditional SaaS products, but for small businesses that are selling products and services, you know, how do they create demand?
1: Well, um, events, I mean, it used to be, you know, pre COVID, uh, sponsoring, uh, a booth at a conference was a way to get, I mean, you're in front of all the people who buy your products, right? So investing in that made a lot of sense. Now that we're virtual, um, I mean, you can still sponsor something, but, um, being a speaker, I think, you know, especially having the founder being, being the voice of the brand and being up, you know, if you have a good team and you're, you know, you're already at a million. So. You really you should already have everything in place so that you can go out and do that because you have to remind people why they want you. Right. So you can't you can't forget that. Um, You know, um, I would say, too, that um, being able to um, to, uh, you know, people forget this is like such a basic thing. Um, They forget to get testimonials. They forget to get to turn their clients into their brand ambassadors and they you know having a, an ambassadorship program would be a really great thing to do at this point to be able to um, create some kind of a lead gen where where current clients you know can can start to to help you sort of build that next level of, of, of followers you know and people who, who want this I mean the more you see because people trust, They tend to trust what other people say more than what you say. So back to this idea of your website, um, you know, having a website is important, but you're right. You need to also send people to your website. So how do you do that? Right. You need to have also some kind of a, um, some kind of lead gen on your website, some way for people to To try something, you know, maybe there's there's a whole program. I mean, Instagram, I think, is great because you can create stories on Instagram, and you can have, you know, customers talk about what you do. Um, and depend, you know, depending on what where you are focused. So uh, if if you're more of a, a women based business, Pinterest is definitely an important platform. But um, I would say, you know, having having different programs that allow that your current like not just allow, uh, help you use your current uh, client base to help promote you, but also reward your client base. So having some kind of a, uh, some kind of a program where they get something, they get a discount or they get, you know, uh, a gift or a free uh, product or, you know, for referring you. So you have a referral program, ambassadorship program. Um, I mean, these are all things that, you know, would really help you again, kind of build more momentum
0: when you get brought in to work with clients, are they mainly early? St- I, know, I know your book is called, yeah, you know, right. Early. First star, yes. But most of the time, what I find is people that can afford consultants and stuff are kind of in like a growth stage, right? So talk to us about what your clients, one, what do they kind of look like? And then I'm curious, right? And so one of the things I'm doing with podcasts is beyond just the interview. These are discussions too. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your feedback on this. If I'm a founder and whose responsibility is it to set up the marketing, to set the direction of the marketing? Because what I'm finding out is with a lot of my clients, I'm talking to them, they've got some like VA that they're not even really training. Oh, I know.
1: Oh, it's very disheartening. And they're just
0: like sharing and all this other stuff. And I'm like, you know, I have a marketing person and I'm training her and we're coaching her. You know, she's going to be on this podcast and we're going to talk through some things we're thinking internally. But whose responsibility is it to set that marketing team or to set the marketing in the right direction.
1: Oh, it's always the founder. It's always the person who's, I mean, in the very beginning, it is the founder. And then once you have a team, you know, this is why it's so important to build the right team. You know, I I really suggest to people that they hire a, a, a chief marketing officer. That needs to be part of their team. Because it's not, hiring a marketing associate is not marketing. That's just somebody who then manages your marketing but they're not the strategy behind the marketing, and you need people who can strategize. You need people who understand big picture. And so, as you get bigger, you need a team of strategists, of people who really under- Just like you have a CFO and a CTO, right? You you need you need somebody who really understands marketing at at the at the big the big picture, not just you know the managing part.
0: When you start to look at the landscape, particularly with some of your clients, right? Those growth stage businesses or early stage, what are they doing right? Like the ones that are really winning, what what are they doing right?
1: What they're doing right is, um, so, you know, I work with them to really help them establish, you know, kind of their their vision and you know all of that, but it's they um, and I and I really work with them to help them communicate it. So I'm also kind of a fractional CMO for some people, and that's I'm finding that that's more my role, becoming more of my role. Um, but what I but what I really work with them on is um, to make sure that they're they're always looking for you know uh, look for people who believe in what you're doing that it makes sense to them. It's not just you know, you're not always just looking for a client, you're looking for somebody who's going to also spread the word about what you do. Um, so, so as I said before, you know, I know this sounds so silly getting testimonials, but you'd be surprised at, at how important that is. Um, you know, now I don't even need to ask people, like when people say, well, I want to talk to somebody who's worked with you. Well, go on my LinkedIn profile and, and read the 27 testimonials that I have. And if you want to talk to any of those people, I'm happy to connect you with them. Right um so it's also about um making sure that um you also get are clear on what it costs you to get a customer right and that's something that people forget like if you invest a dollar you better get a dollar 50 back um so i think it's really kind of looking at the business from a, from a um really from from the from every perspective and marketing is one of those it's like a stool right it's one of the the one of the legs of the stool but marketing is not magic it doesn't just magically bring you clients you have to have a strategy and you also have to you have to um stick to a strategy for at least 3 months you can't just constantly be changing it so one of the things that that i really um urge people to do is to stick with it to see if it works and if after 3 months it's really not working Okay, then then something sometimes then it's good to revisit it. But one of the things that that is sure to be a problem for you is when you're constantly shifting, you know, just like you're constantly changing your logo. It's like, you know, just settle on something and then just see if it works. You can always change it later. But um, I find that a lot of people get. They get hung up on the wrong things, you know, like they're always, you know, oh, we want to change our website. We want to change our colors. We want, you know, that is not how you succeed, right? And then they spend a lot of money in places. And this is another big problem. They spend a lot of money in the wrong places. Instead of doing that, you know, spend the money and hire um, professional strategy oriented people who are going to help you grow the business.
0: Yeah, there's no magic pill. You know, I I don't sell like uh, I don't sell, you know, some widget or something. So I never really spent time learning, uh, you know, customer acquisition costs and all that other stuff. But I did reach the point in my business where I was like, okay, if I invest in this marketing video and it cost me five thousand dollars and i get one client off it it pays for itself exactly you no know? exactly. and then i can use yeah. it over and over again and it start the cost starts to go down as you onboard more and more clients you know i use these little cartoons these little doodles right that i paid for they give me one client boom so i'm i'm there um, and that's important for people to start think about is how can you create leverage you know how can you think outside the box and as we're talking i'm starting to think myself for a growth stage business past 10 clients past 100k in revenue, right? How do they from a marketing perspective punch above their weight to 100k to that 1 million, right? What does that stack look like? And I know it's I know I'm being general here, but what have you seen move the needle to get to the next stage?
1: Well, you know, it's not just obviously it's not just about bringing more people in cuz you have to train people and then you want to retain them and that's uh, has its own headaches, right? But I think when you be, take on the role where you're more of, you know, you're establishing, you know, you, you're already an established brand. So now it's really more about um, strategic partnerships where you can then grow through. Ac- um, I mean, acquisition is certainly one one possibility, but having and and I was actually thinking about this earlier when we we're talking about startups. Strategic partnerships are a great way to grow because right? If a trusted brand is partnering with you, you've already gained a level of trust that you could not have gotten on your own would have taken you a lot longer. So maybe your partners, your partners look different, right? They're bigger, they're more established, they have more. And, and the other thing there is that they also then bring their own marketing budgets, which you can then tap into, which gives you more, more of a runway.
0: One of, you know, one of the things that I find into though is going back to what you said about like, who are you uniquely qualified to serve? And then also who fills you up and who do you enjoy? Like literally the listeners to this podcast, I enjoy them, right? Like I was on my clients today and it's a blast. And I was just telling my marketing person, it's like, this is a blast. You know, I was like, isn't this fun? Like the people we're helping and I'm hearing, like I'm training her up and she's listening to them talk. And I'm like, you hear the words they're using Trust. You know, they really value us like we have to get this right for them. This is not just, oh, like, you know, treating somebody like a one night stand. You know, hey, just the keys are on the door. Lock yourself out. Like, no, that's that's not what we're going for. So, you know, part of me and I don't know if this is my own imposter syndrome or whatever, but sometimes I look at like these enterprise accounts, you know, and I'm in business coaching groups and stuff with people. Sometimes people look miserable with their clients. It's like, are we chasing the revenue for the sake of what? Like all of a sudden you go from dealing with the CEO to try to create this brand asset to now there's like 10 marketing people in there. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's more complicated than it needs to be. So part of me is like, I know as I start to scale up and punch above my weight, just making sure I'm still spending time around people I want to be around and also understanding what kind of company I want to build because at Ironbound Media, Right. For me, it's more about an elf business, something that's easy, lucrative and fun that fills me up around people I enjoy being around because I have this whole other behemoth, Ironbound Boxing on the nonprofit side, which is its own separate beast. So I don't need two stressful beasts. I need to enjoy my work. That's my mission is how do we enjoy work each and every day and how do we make our clients feel like working with Ironbound Media is the best part of their week?
1: You know, you're you're so right about this. And in fact, it's funny because I, I was talking to a client this morning and she said, you know, I really look forward to our conversations. I look forward to working with you, you know, and and it's just like, I mean, every conversation with every client is pretty much like that because, you know, I'm part of what I do is I'm the person who... You know, I'm also your cheerleader, right? Because I'm, I'm letting you know, like, you can do this, right? And we're, we're going to make, we're going to create something here. People are going to want this, right? And part of why they don't want it now is, A, they don't, you know, they don't know it exists, or they don't really know how it serves them, how it helps them. And so I'm helping you really define that. And, and then, you know, typically when people work with me, they double their, they double their revenue because all of a sudden they feel very comfortable saying, oh, I'm, I charge X because I know I'm worth X. Um, so I'm, I'm right with you in terms of,
0: cause if it's not fun, why are you doing it? So we got into the meat of it. Now I get to scratch my own itch about these startups, right? Cause you know, I'm curious, I'm watching, I'm observing, right? I do the indie entrepreneur approach, uh, build a profitable business, look for opportunities that you can serve. I don't have a tech startup, right? But a lot of my friends are in the early stages. Maybe they're pretending, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, those people, right? I think I'm, I'm convinced now people think it's easier to start a fund than it is to be an entrepreneur.
1: Oh God. N- there's nothing, I mean, being an entrepreneur, you gotta, you better love it because I'll tell you, it is hard work.
0: It's a hustle. It's a grind. It's a grind. Um, yeah. And so, you know, real quick, and we can just do five minutes on this. Yeah, sure. For on for successful startups, right? What does their what advice do you have for successful startups going to market that are building a tech platform? that need to onboard a lot of users. I'm gonna willing to bet like most of them are not gonna raise capital yet, or let's assume that they don't, they gotta get traction first. So they don't even have enough you know, revenue, they don't have enough traction to even warrant investment yet. What is What advice do you have for them as they start rolling out their marketing?
1: Get somebody really, somebody big to write about you. Really? Yes, yes. To so um, earn media. Well, Yes, because, you know, we believe what we read and we and if somebody big writes about you, I mean, you know, and this is why you also need to be writing because eventually someone picks up, picks up something you did. And also being on podcasts, honestly, um, do your research, go look for podcasts that are talking about the things that you know something about. Uh, Get, you know, people are always looking for guests, right? So, um, so I, I would definitely not underestimate the power of media.
0: Y'all heard her. If you're a startup, you got to get into the media. But here's the deal. I'm going to warn you, all though, it can become like Instagram, like addictive for a lot of people. You know, you get the one me- media piece, then you get all this traffic, and then it just drops. And so as business owners, we need that predictable revenue. So there's things that have to happen concurrently, right? And Orly, push back on this if I say anything wrong. I think, again, for those early-stage startups, that business is a contact sport. You're selling while you're getting to earn media. You know, while you're getting client testimonials, right, you're doing all these things concurrently, but you can't put the chicken before the egg. Right. So you need to get clients and you need to validate that you have something people are willing to pay for.
1: And by the way, the best time to ask for a testimonial is right when you finish doing the job and they're happy. That's the time. And you have about a a, a, you have a small window. So don't wait on that. Because if you come back to them three months later, it's too late. They've already, they've moved on to something else.
0: And you also can't afford to wait for someone to understand, convince them of the problem. Right? I tell people, look for someone who knows they have the problem, is already spending solution to solve the problem, and are looking for opportunities to improve upon the problem. You know, I had a, I ran a, I ran a coaching session on this podcast with an entrepreneur named Katina, who runs American Forces Coffee. And she sells premium Guatemalan coffee. And I was trying to let her know, like, listen, we don't need to be going after people that need to get sold on why they need to pay a premium for coffee. We need to go to people that are already willing to pay a premium for coffee. They understand its value. And then we get profitable. And then we can spend some time educating other people.
1: Exactly. Because the most expensive marketing you're ever going to do is educating people who don't know anything about you. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So early, I've I've kind of hogged her time, y'all. I know. Listen, we we went a little bit longer, but listen, when I get experts on here that have been doing it a lot longer than me, I gotta be respectful for of them. And also, I'm learning and I'm growing as an entrepreneur. I don't want to feel like I have all the answers. And so, you know, I value your time and the fact that you were willing to spend it with me and my audience. I truly appreciate and I appreciate the discussion. Now, what I want to ask you is first of all, how can our listeners help support and amplify the work you're doing? And then also Where can people find you at? But before that, I got one more question. Actually, I just thought of it. As you start to look towards marketing over the next 2022, where would you instruct audiences to invest their time in?
1: Hmm. You know,
0: what trends do you see coming?
1: I would say, and you know, this is something that I'm I'm exploring myself more online. So move into the digital space, get more involved with you know, webinars and courses, a video, you know, where you can create courses on video and then sell them and create a passive income stream. Um, I think that's, that's where I'm moving into next is really to take all this knowledge and actually develop a course out of my book um, and, uh, and also uh, do more online, um, you know, just create online webinars and, uh, and get more people, um, you know, connected with what I'm doing. Yeah.
0: That's great. And how can we as an audience, as a community, a veteran owned small businesses, early stage startups, maybe there's some that are not veterans, but like us anyway and are listening, you know, how can we support uh, you?
1: So um, you can, of course, reach out to me um, at Orly at um, You can find my book on Amazon. Um, and just like you did, um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, and schedule uh, schedule a uh, time with me. So Um, You know, I I offer, you know, really my the way we start is I offer you uh, a 30 minute complimentary um, uh, audit or review of either your LinkedIn profile, your website, and then we can go from there.
0: Love it. And I'll be sure to include a link to your book, which I listen. I'm not one of those guys that just recommends book. Didn't read it. I read the book and it is a short read um, and it's really dense, though. There's a lot of information, in it, but it's a great book. Um, So I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I endorse it. I include the link in my show notes. And I also include a link to uh, your social media as well. And for everyone that's tuning in, appreciate you spending time with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Dog Whistle Brandon newsletter on Substack at the link in the show notes, as well as on your favorite podcast hosting platform, such as iTunes, Spotify, or or whatever you're listening to today. If you'd be kind enough to leave us a review, we'd also appreciate that as well. Feel free to reach out to me directly at Mike at WeAreIronbound.com. Let me know any specific topics you'd like to cover on the show or if you'd like to be a guest. And until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we help veteran business leaders create, distribute, and grow branded podcast series in order to engage with their ideal audience. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is also powered by the Lions Pride, a professional training and coaching company for badass founders that serves mission-driven, high-performing small business owners with at-the-ready resources, battle-tested tools, and full-service support. We're proud to support veterans and other badass business owners at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at the